Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is James Taylor, and I sing in the quartet and in the chancel choir. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. You watch over us, O God, and show us the way to prosper in life, not so much in things as in relationships that contribute to our wholeness and well-being. Thank you for meeting us here and helping us to deal with our selfish ambition, disorder, and conflicts. We submit ourselves to you for instruction. Help us to be honest with ourselves and with you, voicing our doubts as well as our faith, our hypocrisy along with all that is deeply genuine, creating us a space for quiet listening and thoughtful meditation. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
Will you please stand and join me in our responsive call to worship as printed in your bulletin. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is darkness, light. O oh, Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be loved as to love. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. Let us worship God. So often we're hard-pressed to find anything bad we need to confess, and we take real delight in the good we have done. Yet the community that God seeks, the serving church that embodies Jesus Christ, the spirit-filled community we are meant to be is not yet realized. Our prayer of confession is for the whole people of God, including ourselves. Let us now confess our sin. 
Forgive us, God, for our complacent attitudes and self-serving comforts. We do not relish the thought of sacrificing for some larger good we cannot see, for people with whom we find it difficult to identify. We compare ourselves favorably against many who seem less attuned to your purposes than we, forgetting that our true standard is Christ Jesus. We ask you to take from us all the bitterness, envy, and anger that stands in the way of your reign. May all we ask of you be for the common good of all your children. In Jesus' name we pray. God hears our prayers and forgives and upholds us. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. let us reaffirm what we believe by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So at this time in the service, we've made a slight change, which may have been a little discombobulating last week. We're going to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment, which is now happening a little earlier in the service, as we share the peace of Christ with one another. So friends, peace be with you. Good morning.
Good morning. How are you? Did you did you eat breakfast today? Good. Are you 92 years old? No. No. Are you 27 years old? No. Are you 13 years old? Are you 87 years old? Yes. Oh. So how old are you? Tell me. How old are you actually? Seven. Seven. What's your name? Rosa. Rosa is seven. How about you? Uh, I'm eight. Grayson. Uh, Grayson. Oh. Eight. Will. Will is also eight. And huh, are you 72 years old? No. No. So what's your name and age? Wow. Are you guys grown-ups? Where are you? Are you children? Yeah, I thought so. Well, I thought for a minute maybe you were all grown up everywhere from 13 to 98. Well, you know, in today's Bible lesson that Pastor Steve will be reading in a little bit later, Jesus was telling his disciples, anybody who receives me or welcome me like these children. Well, no, I got it wrong. Anybody who we welcome children, welcome me and receive me. So he is comparing himself with you guys and girls because he loves children. Jesus loves children. Jesus also said, whoever welcome me and receive me, welcome and receive God. So I just wanted to tell you something really simple and very important. Jesus loves you, Jesus loves children, God loves children, God loves you. Can you remember that? I think so. Let us pray. Would you repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for loving us all the time. Teach us to know how to love one another and how to love you back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you may go with Miss Carol. Thank you. Good morning. Now we'd like to have everybody turn to each other and tell the other person how old you are. No, we're only, <laughs> only kidding. It is good to have you here this day. We're so grateful to be together as God's people. And uh, speaking of children, we have the opportunity next week to hand out Bibles to third graders. And as you have a third grader in your life, whether that be a child, niece, nephew, grandchild, whatever the case may be, we would love to have them come and join us. If you plan to, just call Carol Holmeister at our church office, our director of children's ministry, and she'd be glad to include your little third grader in our Bible handout next week so that we can get them on their way of studying scripture and preparing themselves to know the word of God. So we're looking forward to that. We're also looking forward to some noontime concerts that start on October the 13th. We'll have a, a special guest each month and there's more information about that uh, in your bulletin. We would love for you to come for soup at 1145 and that's followed by a wonderful little concert over in the chapel and we would look forward to having you be with us and look forward to some beautiful, beautiful music, including the Key Chorale. Um, we are, have uh, members of the Key Chorale that will be with us on the 13th. 
And we're looking forward already to Christmas. If you'll note on page 13 in your bulletin, there is uh, an announcement about helping us to make stockings for students at middle at Booker Middle School. We would love for your help with that. Lots of details about that in your bulletin. And you can reach out to Dee Weber uh, to let, their, let her know that you would like to help out with that. We are looking forward to trivia night in a couple of weeks on the 27th, a week from Tuesday. You can find information about that on page 12. And we are delighted today to have some special guests. One of our mission partners, or two of our mission partners is here. Melvin and Lorena Tejada are here. So would you please stand and let us say thank you. They are the directors of our mission in Honduras the eye clinic and honduras and it is always a treat when you're here and thank you for your partnership thank you for your great ministry in that part of the world and thank you for giving us the opportunity to partner with you in that now let's continue our worship
Let us pray. Lord, of the small, broken things, we turn to you now to share our concerns and our heartaches that can at times feel so large. Forgive us, Lord, for not turning to you first, for the times we assume the worst, for the times we fail to recognize the power you have given us to help and heal. Free us from the shame of past failures that keep us from risking vulnerability. Free us from cynicism that keeps us from embracing each day as a new opportunity, a precious gift, another chance to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. God of peace, be with those who are fleeing violence, tyranny, and war. Accompany those seeking safety and shelter. Rescue the asylum seekers and the unaccompanied children. By the gift of your Holy Spirit, embolden us to cross borders of our own making, overcoming bias, seeking justice, offering welcome. Creator God, in the midst of hurricanes, floods, and devastating wildfires, empower us to care for our earth and one another. Give comfort and courage to those who are suffering. Guide world leaders towards smart and sustainable action that will care for your creation and not cause further harm. Merciful God, we pray for the safety of our men and women serving in the military, for emergency responders, for healthcare providers, and for those serving as missionaries around your beautiful world. Lord of the frail and ill, we lift up to you the sick in need of healing, friends, neighbors, and loved ones suffering from COVID-19, cancer, or other diseases. Sit with those waiting for a diagnosis. Comfort those with living with pain or experiencing grief. Sustain those filled with worry. Restore those living without hope. Almighty God, we praise you for your grace and mercy that has sustained us, your discipline that has corrected us, your patience that has borne with us, and of course, your love that has redeemed us. United as a family of faith and as the body of Christ, we lift these prayers up to you. Hear us now as we pray the prayer Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we are at that point in our service where we pause for our moment of gratitude. We get to listen to some beautiful music that is played for the glory of God as we silently give God our thanks and praise for the many gifts that we enjoy. I am grateful for this day of life, for the pink clouds that I saw at sunrise, for a red cardinal that I saw flitting in the bushes on a walk this week, for the opportunity to sing hymns and to worship together, and for technology 
that helps me stay connected to my daughters and to my parents. How about you? What do you want to thank God for on this day? As you reflect on the gratitude that you feel even with the small things in your life, we have an opportunity to worship God with our financial gifts. There are baskets by the doors as you leave, and of course on page 13 of the bulletin, you will find other ways that you can conveniently give. Thanks be to God for this church family and for all the ways you generously give and serve others, both here in this community and around the world.
Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, we worship you now with our offerings and tithings as a token of our love and gratitude to you, for we have received all that we have from you. Accept these, our gifts and ourselves. Multiply them so that they may become your blessings of ministries and mission near and far, all the way to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning is taken again from the gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter, verses 30 through 37. Hear the word of God. Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. 
he did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. They did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. The story is told, likely apocryphal, about the time when Hank Aaron, the great home run hitter, came up to the plate when the Braves were playing the Yankees. Yogi Berra was behind the plate catching. Barrett noticed as Hank Aaron was taking practice swings that he had the trademark of the bat facing out. Baseball bats, what you're taught when you're young, I don't know if this is true, is that you're supposed to hold the bat such that the ball doesn't hit the trademark, reducing the chances that the bat will crack. Well, Barrett noticed that Aaron was holding the bat the wrong way and said to the great home run hitter, hold the bat so that you can read the trademark. To which Aaron replied, Yogi, I didn't come up here to read, I came up here to hit. I didn't come up here to read, I came up here to hit. I can't imagine what it is like to attempt to hit a pitch delivered by a major league pitcher, this less than three inch in diameter spinning spheroid propelled at the velocity of 90 to 100 miles per hour, not to mention hitting it as far as to clear the fence, not to mention doing it as many as Hank Garen did 755 times, not to mention doing it while regularly receiving vile hate mail from people rooting against you because you're black. Said Aaron, my kids had to live like they were in prison because of kidnap threats. I had to go out the back door of the ballparks I had to have a police escort with me at all times. I was getting threatening letters every single day. I am more than certain that I could not have done what Hank Aaron did on multiple fronts. I cannot be certain, but can only imagine that somewhere in the early days of growing up in Mobile, Alabama, some adult, some coach, wanting Hank, watching Hank Aaron, learning how to play the game of baseball, learning how to stand at the plate, learning how to swing and not miss, some adult, some coach pulled him aside and likely told him one of the cardinal rules of any game that involves a ball. Hank, I can imagine them saying, just keep your eye on the ball. One of the most simple and basic rules of sport, and often one of the hardest to follow. If you doubt that, watch me attempt to hit a golf ball. 
Keep your eye on the ball, Steve. Keep your eye on the ball. Wide receiver breaks free down the line, and the quarterback lays that ball into his, into his arms like a newborn baby, but he drops it. And why? Because he got ahead of himself. He started running with the ball before catching the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. One of the most basic rules of the game and one of the easiest to forget. And it is, of course, one of those basic rules that applies to more than just ball games. It applies just to about everything. Don't forget the most important thing, right? The most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. I haven't come up here to read. I've come up here to hit. Father stands in the delivery room and watches his wife deliver their child into the world. And there is this rush of meaning and love and miracle that comes cascading over him. And he knows that this mother and child are the most important thing in the universe. But life gets crazy and worse gets crazy and time gets short and the calendar gets full. And pretty soon he's realized he's taken his eye off the ball woman comes to terms with her drinking problem and by grace he's made she's made her way to an AA meeting and by grace she's emptied out the liquor cabinet and by grace she knows that she cannot pick up another drink and by grace she knows that that's the most important thing that's the thing that makes all the other things possible by grace she prays one day at a time to keep her eye on the ball the Apostle Paul sat down to write one of his last letters, likely from some place of house arrest in Rome. He wrote to his young student in the faith, Timothy. The Apostle had traveled across most of the Roman Empire, had endured shipwrecks and beatings, had been slandered and taken to trial, had been arrested and left for dead. But at the end of it all, the Apostle Paul writes to his young student and says, as for me, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Another way, I suppose, of saying that by grace, I kept my eye on the ball. Which I suppose is the topic at hand when Jesus and his disciples had this conversation we just read about in Mark's Gospel. You may remember from last week that in this section of Mark's Gospel, Jesus is on his way now to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, but there's more to it than that. Jesus knows, and the disciples know, that to go to Jerusalem is to come face to face with a cadre of opposition, and that likely it's not going to go well. But Jesus knows he has to do this. This is the mission. This is why he came to love his people enough to tell them the truth and to endure the consequences of telling the truth and the consequence he repeats to the disciples will be death Jesus is the servant Messiah he does what has to be done in order to be the truth in Jerusalem at the Passover feast Jesus will take a pitcher of water and a basin and a towel and he will wash his disciples feet rabbis don't wash students feet Jesus will wash their feet because this is the mission this is the most important thing this is keeping your eye on the ball 
So while they're on their way, Jesus overhears what might have been a little bit of a heated conversation amongst the disciples. They're getting a little indignant with each other, and Jesus hears enough to know what they're fighting about is that age-old question, who is the greatest? A little earlier, Jesus has taken just three of them up on the mountain where they've had this mystical experience of Jesus' transfiguration. And we can only imagine that those three have come back and told that to the other nine, which begs the question, well, why those three? Why are only three picked to go up and have this mystical experience? We don't know. But you can imagine this is the one thing that sparked the who is the greatest debate? Jesus picked me. Na 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 na. We all have our way of being childish, don't we? And what Jesus can see is that these disciples are taking their eye off the ball. If being the greatest is about being the least, if being the greatest is about being a servant, if being the greatest is about serving the little ones, the little people, the ones whose voice is not heard in the world, well then these disciples are taking their eye off the ball. And it makes me wonder if it isn't worth stopping here for just a second and wondering out loud something that this text would want us to wonder about. And that is, is this the thing? The most important thing? If the most important thing is to make the most important thing the most important thing, is this the most important thing? To be the least. To be a servant. To come alongside of or behind the little ones, the ones who have no voice. Is this what the ball game is about? And if so, are we keeping our eye on the ball? I was in a conversation a few months ago, and we got on the topic of, of got on the topic topic of all that is going wrong with the world. Have you ever been in one of these conversations before? And there's a lot wrong in the world. There's always been a lot wrong with the world, of course. But we're in this conversation talking about it as if this was the only time in history when so much was wrong with the world. And after a while, you know, those conversations just kind of head down the vortex of depression. Finally, someone piped up and asked, well, what are we going to do about it? Well, that put an end to that conversation. So an occupied and destitute Israel, which had its fair share of problems, politically, economically, socially, where lepers and tax collectors and hungry beggars roamed. Jesus keeps his eye on the ball and touches the lepers, eats with the prostitutes, forgives the tax collectors, and feeds the beggars. The greatest of all is the least of all. The greatest of all is the servant of where we lived before we lived in Sarasota up in the New York City area, our house was about eight doors down from the local firehouse. It was a volunteer fire company, which means that there was nobody stationed at the station. They were all at home or at work or somewhere nearby, which meant 
that when a fire got called in, this enormous siren, virtually an air raid siren, would begin to sound that could be heard through half the township. And when the siren sounded, it meant that one group of people, whether they were in bed or dinner or at work, one group of people stopped everything and jumped out of bed or away from the table or up from their desk and went to do what they were called to do. And every time I heard that siren and five minutes later heard that truck blaring past our house, I just said a little prayer and thanked the good Lord for people like that. Never losing sight of the ball. I thought a lot about those folks last week as like you, I was reminded of that horrific day when the towers and the Pentagon and the fields of Pennsylvania were stabbed by those missiles of terror. There would be that day and every day after lots of fear and blaming and lament and grief and complaint. But when the world felt like it was coming apart, there were those firefighters and police officers who were climbing the stairs. Why? Because that's what they do. That's the mission. That's the calling. That's keeping your eye on the ball. In the middle of the 19th century, Henri Dunant, a Swiss businessman, had in his sights a business deal of a lifetime. All he needed to do was to get the French emperor, Napoleon III, to sign off on a land acquisition, and he was in clover. But Napoleon was busy fighting a war. This did not deter Henri. He traveled to the battlefront to find the emperor. Found him at Solferino, where, where there had just concluded an epic, awful battle. 23,000 casualties, and with no one there to tend them. Instinctively, Dunau began to recruiting and organizing and deploying local townspeople to care for the wounded and dying, no matter what side they were on. And he wondered what the world would look like if there was a movement of people there to care for the casualties of war without prejudice. Dunant committed his life to the effort, spent all of his money, and ended up destitute himself in the effort. The people who joined the movement would wear these little white bands on their arms, white bands that had red crosses on them. They called themselves the Red Cross. Years later, they found Dunal living in squalor and obscurity and awarded him the very first Nobel Peace Prize. He gave the entire monetary award away. Keeping your eye on the ball. Whoever wants to be first must be last in serving the ball. Maybe it's what Mark Messner had in mind. Mark Messner, the all-American defensive lineman drafted by the Los Angeles Rams, a rookie trying to make the team and realize his dream of playing in the NFL, a dream fostered in him by his stepfather who walked with him since he was young, cheered from the stands, sacrificed for him so he could go to college. And now here he was at the end of the rainbow and that pot of gold within reach. And that's when he got the call from his sister that his stepfather's cancer had taken a turn. Could he come and help? Help? <laughs> now? I got the ball. This is the ball I've been chasing all my life. This is my dream. 
as it turned out, it wasn't the dream of his heart, so Mark left the Rams, moved in with his stepdad, and nursed him, held him, and fed him like a baby, changed his diaper, and bandaged his bed sores, and in the end, laid him to rest. It's called keeping your eye on the ball. Chasing the dream is what Hank Aaron called the movement he started 45 years ago after he hit the last of his 755 home runs. Chasing the dream, a movement and foundation to help kids with little dreams to find them and live them. Hank Aaron hit number 755 45 years ago, but number 755 was never the number for him. The number that mattered most was the number of kids who found their dreams and live their dreams. Hank Aaron died this year, as many of you know. The headlines said he was one of the greatest of all time. Those are just the headlines. And we know what happens to headlines. The little ones with the little dreams or the big dreams, these are who Jesus listens to. It's these who get to say, the greatest. Whoever wants to be the first must be the last of all and the servant of all. It's called keeping your eye on the ball.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore.